Hello, I'm John, and this is In Orbit. Greetings one and all. We're so glad you're tuning in for spending part of your day with us and staying in our orbit. If you listen to the podcast regularly or are at all familiar with KBR, you know that safety and sustainability are a pretty big deal around here. Actually, that's something of an understatement. A commitment to safety and ESG, that's environmental, social, and governance principles, permeates everything we do at KBR, from our operations to our supply chain to the solutions we provide, and that list goes on and on. The foundation of that commitment is a platform we call Zero Harm. With us today to talk about what Zero Harm is, particularly as it pertains to safety and what it means to KBR, is Paul Stevenson. Paul is the director of HSSE, that's Health, Safety, Security, and Environment, and is based at KBR's office in Leatherhead, Surrey, in the UK. Welcome to the podcast, Paul. Hey, John. Good to be here. Happy to have you. This is um, this is one of the rare instances where I've actually met the person who I'm interviewing on the podcast. <laughs> Usually it's, it's some person that, you know, some expert that I've never met before and we've only emailed back and forth. So it's nice to be able to relate to someone that I've actually met in person before. Yeah, and no, it was good to see you in here, uh, back in, uh, what was it, a couple of months ago now, back in here in Leatherhead. So uh, yeah, it was good yes, to meet you in back person. in November. Absolutely. No, it was good. It was good and big, a big team. And uh, you, you guys really, uh, you, re- you guys really embraced the, uh, the, the HSC induction that I gave as well, which was good. It was good fun. Oh, it was it was awesome. Very, very informative. Well, first of all, why don't you tell us a little about yourself and your role at KBR? Sure. So um, uh, I am married with two kids, um, sort of starting with family, which HSE professionals always like to do. Excellent. So yeah, I'm married to I'm married to Callista. Uh, we have two kids, Ted, who's 11, and Flo, who's about to turn nine. So busy times at home. Um, and outside of work, I kind of like to keep fit and uh and you know, stay healthy, um, just so I can keep up with the kids mostly. But uh, <laughs> but also, I find it helps with uh, it helps with you know well being and concentration, etc. As well. So I do I do like to keep active outside of work. Um, I've been at KBR for around five and a half years now, um, and um, I I work for the integrated solutions business. So that's um, that's headed up by Ahmed Aldada, um, and. We sit within the, the Sustainable Technology Solutions Business Unit. So I support our uh, our great HSE leads and managers um, uh, with the application of kind of HSE and zero harm across the, the international offices and projects that we have. So that uh, includes Leatherhead, uh, Baku in Azerbaijan, and um, oh, wow. a number of yeah a number of locations in the Middle East, which is a fast growing region for us. So. And then I work very closely with my good friend and colleague, Suresh Kumar, who oversees our APAC region, including Singapore and Chennai. So, um, yeah, busy times. Yeah, far-reaching. That's outstanding. A big, a big responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of look after Leatherhead uh, in terms of everything to do with HSE and Leatherhead. So um, I, I work with our real estate services team to make sure our, our lovely campus here in Leatherhead is is safe for people to come in and work and that we comply with regulatory requirements and um, as well as supporting projects and proposals and delivering training. So I'm actually looking to, to kind of recruit someone to, to help me look after Leatherhead because it's uh, it's getting pretty busy, pretty busy. It's good to be back in the office. So yeah. <laughs> We'll have to do a plug at the end of the show that if you're, if you're an HSSE professional looking for a good gig, 
to to contact Paul. <laughs> yeah, that'd be helpful. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we get started into the, some of the nitty gritty with Zero Harm, uh, could you tell us about your personal journey with safety and how that's led to your career in HSSE? Yeah, so um, I sort of fell into it by accident, if you pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is a good pun. It's, uh, <laughs> so I left university with a degree in psychology, and I, I kind of chose psychology because I wasn't really sure what direction I wanted my career to take. So I thought psychology is quite broad brush, you know, it, it covers a lot of different aspects. So that's why I chose it as a degree. And um, when I left university, you know, I was still looking at kind of what career to go, what career path to go down, and but I also needed the money, so um, I yeah uh, I, I ended up getting a job with um, a company called the British Safety Council, and I was working in sales and business development for them. Um, they're a kind of very widely recognised health and safety body in the UK. They do training, consultancy, audits, okay, advice. They also lobby government, so they're involved in some of the regulatory changes that we see in the UK as well. Um, and um, during the early part of my career with them, I sort of started to realise that HSC and health and safety is all about people, looking after people, but also understanding what makes people tick and, and the decisions that people do and, and perhaps not do that, that can lead to, uh, to trouble. Um, so I, I decided that HSC was probably a career that, you know, I was going to pursue. And um, I was very lucky with the British Safety Council. They, they moved me into a learning and development role and I was able to get some training and qualifications with them and, and kind of build up my credentials. And, and I then, my first role in kind of oil and gas and energy was, was, with, um, was with M.W. Kellogg. And uh, they were actually 50% joint, jointly owned um, by KBR, JTC, 50-50 joint venture. And in fact, many folk listening may have actually either worked at M.W. Kellogg or, or remember them. In fact, I think Nick Anagnostu even worked for them um, at one point. Yeah. Um, but I, I I worked as a behavioural safety advisor for them for a period of time, travelling the world and delivering what at the time was called our Shaping Accident-Free Environment. And it's uh, that was a cultural programme, sort of really driving leadership behaviours in terms of, you know, generating um, direction for HSE across the business, looking right the way from senior leaders right the way through to supervisors. So going out to different projects and delivering training was was real, was really fascinating uh, part of my career. And then I actually returned to the British Safety Council after that spell um, uh, for, a, for a number of years and was seconded to work on the London 2012 Olympic Games. Oh, wow. Which was uh, which was a great experience. Yeah, so we um, I was involved in developing some of the training courses that we were delivering to the volunteers that helped run the games. We called them games makers. Um, so that, that was a that was a great period as well. And then, um, then I moved to Worley, and I was with Worley for uh, about three or four years, predominantly working on the um, Future Growth Project, which was a, a mega project in Kazakhstan, about $40 billion. Um, and um, I was based in the UK, but made regular trips out to the site in Kazakhstan to kind of do audit and assurance activities of contractors in the field. Uh, again, great experience. Um, and... Um, and really working with big, big clients like Chevron as well was was great and, and fascinating. And then that kind of gets me to, to KBR. Um, so 2017, joined KBR and supporting various projects and proposals and uh, looking after the Leatherhead campus. And then um, 2020, obviously, we had uh, we had the pandemic and uh, that really threw, you know, that really threw health and safety into, in, into the forefront of everything that we do, you know, Absolutely. Operationally as well. Um, very, very busy time, very um, 
obviously surreal and an anxious time for many of us, um, but one which I think I look back on as a bit of a watershed moment in my career because it was a real time to roll your sleeves up, get stuck in um, and, and deal with a whole myriad of requirements and regulations that different countries had at the time in terms of, uh, of what you could and couldn't do as we, uh, as we all experienced. So yeah, kind of brings me up to, uh, to where we are today. It's so interesting talking with, you know, with many people that I've interviewed for the podcast, talking about how their background in education sometimes doesn't necessarily inform what they've ended up doing in some ways that it may have. Um, but for you, I wonder how that, how that background in psychology has prepared you for a role in HSSE, because as you mentioned, it's dealing with, you know, you're, you're interacting with people. So I think it's really from the psychology aspects have really helped me from the, the cultural behavioral right. aspects of, of really understanding, um, the importance of reward and recognition, for example, mm -hmm. the importance of reinforcing positive behavior, uh, the importance of kind of um, seeing people as the solution in in safety and not necessarily the problem. I think, you know, if, if it's very easy to get into a bit of a a mindset where um, HSC is the avoidance of the negative, which <laughs> right. it is because we obviously want to avoid people being harmed. But when you're dealing with people, you have to recognise them as for, for what they do well and. And that's what's great about zero harm is that it's um, it fosters this idea that we look out for one another and we recognise individuals and teams, and our team of teams, um, for for doing the right thing, and uh, and not trying to you know, uh, it's it's as I say it's not the absence of negative it's the reinforcement of of positive and and from a psychological perspective that's 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 very important because people tend to want to be rewarded for what they do. Um, as human beings, we we always want to kind of find the, the shortcut to reward, the easiest way to get the reward. Right. Um, so you want to make HSE very easy for people. You don't want to put barriers in the way, unless they're physical barriers to protect <laughs> them from harm. But but kind of you know that those those barriers um, can be uh, can be detrimental because people find their way around them. So making making everything from you know right the way from our processes and procedures through to our kind of courage to care conversations, making it as easy for people to participate and be involved in those programs is, is, is very important to, uh, to drive that culture forward. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, I mean, that, that, uh, segues beautifully into the next question, zero harm. So for listeners who may be unfamiliar, can you tell us about what zero harm is? Yeah. Zero harm is, is KBR's, um, culture for, um, for, for how we look after people in the planet. Um, if I start with the people aspect, um, so if you put zero harm on a page, um, we we kind of see these two aspects coming together, which we call our transactional uh, management tools, if you like, and those are our zero harm absolutes. Um, so we have um, tools in the toolkit, if you like, that we call our absolutes. These are things like TSTI, uh, which is our pre-task risk assessment mm -hmm. uh, program. Uh, we've got our courage to care conversations for intervening if we see things that, you know, don't look right, or equally if if we want to have a conversation with someone about something that we've seen that does look right, you know, and, and give them some recognition for it. Right. We've got our Mikey Stop Work Authority and safety energy and our key behaviours and how we in, understand and investigate incidents to, to make sure we prevent reoccurrence. These are all really important tools and we and we call them our absolutes because they are the non-negotiables in terms of how we conduct our, our work and execute our projects to make them successful. 
But the other aspect of zero harm is, is what we call our transformational leadership uh, behaviours. And all the nice tools that I've just described there don't really work unless you have the mindset to, um, to, to make them successful. So it's having that personal relationship with safety. It's treating it um, as something that we don't just have, you know, we don't just pick it up on the way into work right? Um, and, 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 wear, and wear it while we're at work and then, you know, discard it at the end of the day. It's something that we have with us at all times. Um, and it's treating safety as a, as, a, as a value rather than a shifting priority. So those are all the kind of our transformational leadership behaviours. And, and we kind of see zero harm as those two aspects that come together. So many of you, of, of the folks listening to this, this podcast may have seen our kind of zipper slide mm-hmm. on, on our posters that kind of show that, that you know, those, those two aspects come together to, to form our zero harm programme or, or culture. Um, but a, a few years ago, in fact, I think it was 2020, um, we broadened out zero harm to include other uh, sustainability topics. Zero harm kind of covers the whole ESG agenda. So that's environment, social and governance. So um, although health, safety and security remains a kind of flagstone or the, the, the flagship right. pillar, we have, these, we have these other pillars that cover environmental aspects uh, such as climate change and, and energy and um, sustainable travel. Um, uh, and, and those of you that see the Zero Harm logo, you'll see we've got on the left-hand side the environmental pillars and then on the right-hand side the social and governance pillars. So health, safety and security is in there, but we also have community engagement uh, governance in terms of risk management um, and, and those kind of other. So, so, you know, the whole ESG agenda is captured because sustainability is obviously such a huge part of the way we do our business now. Mm-hmm. So we, we broaden zero harm out in, in, in respect of that. Right. And it speaks to the efficacy of the zero harm HSSE platform that it was then broadened to include all of these other things because it now doesn't, it's not only about zero harm to people, but it's about zero harm to processes, zero harm to communities, zero harm to one another. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's outstanding. Yes. So uh, could you tell us about some of the progress that KBR has made since zero harm was implemented? Yeah. Um, so I guess back in sort of around 2014, um, just over 50% of the days we worked were without an incident. And we were kind of, t- we'd been kind of ticking along at that kind of performance level for a number of years. And, and, and that was pretty commendable safety performance back then, um, given the high risk nature of the work that, that we do right. or did, certainly with, with big EPC jobs that we had at the time. So to achieve 50, you know, to achieve around 50% of a, of, of a, of a, of a year um, without an incident in terms of days worked was, was pretty commendable. But Zero Harm was rolled out um, in 2015 and our recordable incident rate just, just dropped significantly. Um, you, if you put it on a graph, you can see it goes off a cliff. It, it was right. it, it's fantastic, um, and we're now averaging around ninety percent days a year without an incident. That's that's nothing more. You know, when I say without an incident, that's nothing more serious than a first aid. So we kind of track our zero harm days each year, and, and as I say, we're we're standing at around ninety percent zero harm uh, days per per year at the moment, and have been have been doing that since since zero harm rolled out um and and our performance you know that that kind of performance is the envy of our competitors it it uh it kind of trends alongside some of the top performing members of of iogp which is the international association of oil and gas producers um and um uh, but we know we we know that 90 percent is fantastic but there's 10 percent to go right right so we're, we're we're constantly looking to 
we're on a journey to zero. Um, we we realise that we can't keep can't be complacent. Um, it's about having that kind of sense of unease in everything that we do. Um, and and you know where could the next where could the next incident happen? What can I do to prevent it? Having that mindset at all times. Um, and a key a key way of doing that is 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 reinvigorating enthusiasm for zero harm each year with with um with zero harm day and and uh, that's uh that, that's a key a key part of doing that so absolutely so if we get the timing just right when folks hear this episode they'll be celebrating our our people all around the world will be celebrating zero harm day can you tell us about what uh zero harm day is about this year's theme and why it's important yeah sure so as with all previous years, the key theme for Zero Harm Day is about recognition and reflection. Um, and, you know, as I said earlier, you know, if, 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 if we're not careful, then health and safety can very easily become the avoidance of danger or bad stuff that could go wrong. You know, it's, it, and, and you can only, you only hear about HSE when something goes wrong, when you have an incident. Right. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, it's very easy to become... It, for it to become the measurement of of the absence of the negative, what zero harm day is um, is all about is recognizing our performance, recognizing the good stuff that we do, uh, praising people for it, rewarding people for it, individuals, teams, projects, you know, departments, whatever it whatever it might be, because if you do that, then you encourage more of that behaviour in the future, and it has a kind of rippling effect outwards, um, and um, and it empowers people. Uh, to take ownership, it fosters our in- interdependence culture, which is where we have people looking out for one another right. as well as themselves. And then the reflection element is is all about you know looking back at the past, what have we learned, and really committing to another year of of striving towards zero harm. And we do that by running all the fun events that we have going on and the activities that people can sign up for and take time out to participate in and enjoy and um, and and really try and give people some you know new perspectives, education and tools to, um, to, to help us on our journey to, to zero. So it's that, it's that recognition and reflection, which is, which is the real key theme to Zero Harm Day. We've had Zero Harm Days in the past, uh, for example, where one of the sub-themes was situational awareness. Uh, this year's sub-theme is plan, organize, direct, control. Yeah. Can you tell us about that sub-theme and why that's important this year? Yeah, so... Um, this one is 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 an interesting one because I think it's um, it's it's enabling us to kind of think about planning and preparation and the importance of it. A common theme that runs through incidents when you when you investigate them, not not just KBRs, but you know in in general, is you often find there's a lack of planning. There's a la- there's a lack of foresight, and and people kind of kind of wish they'd taken the time before conducting a task to kind of step back and think about what could go wrong rather than just getting stuck in. <laughs> right. You know how often have we spotted something at home that bothers us and we think, oh, we'll just have, you know, it's a quick fix. We'll just pull up a chair to change a light bulb or reach across that little bit further on a on a ladder to paint that bit of wall rather than get coming down the ladder and shifting the ladder across, all that, all that sort of stuff. Um, and it's the same at work. So as I said earlier, as human beings, we're always kind of on the lookout for the quickest route to reward. Um, and sometimes that comes at a price. Um, but what plan organised direct control enables us to do is to think about the importance of planning, thinking ahead to identifying risks, um, making sure that everyone involved in a task understands what needs to be done to manage those risks. And then we make sure that we have the right organisation in place to do the task, which can be training and competency. And, and then we direct the task in accordance to the plan. So, um, you know, we, we use the plan, we use that to, to execute a task. And then 
to control that task, we then use things like our courage to care conversations or our stop work authority to, to step in if things don't quite go or go off, go off, off, off task. And so it's really plan, organize, direct control is, is very closely akin to our total safety task instruction, our TSTA right. process, uh, which is our kind of JHA that, that really makes sure that people understand these, these, um, these hazards before, yeah, break a task down, look at what needs, look at what's required and, and then execute the task according to that plan um <clears throat> and this covers not just hse but kind of risk management in general so uh the theme of our zero harm awards in leatherhead this year has been has been around risk champions mm -hmm. so um you know it covers our health safety and security pillar but it also covers our risk management pillar and we're we're asking for people to nominate risk champions people that might be looking at you know planning organizing and and directing and controlling risk in, in, in finance or operations oh, outstanding. or other aspects. Yeah. Yeah. Other aspects of, uh, of, uh, of the business, not just, not just necessarily HSE. Um, but yeah, you know, an old boss of mine, you know, years ago, he always used to say, it's always better to ask what if than if only, which I think is what, which is what this is all about. You know, let's, let's take the time to, to do things properly before we get stuck in because our, our, uh, our, our nature as human beings is to kind of, as I say, Get the take oh, the shortcuts yeah. sometimes. As, as someone who's been <laughs> injured many times for not planning, organizing, directing, and controlling, I can say that that is sound advice. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, back to Zero Harm Day, what are some examples? Every year we see the pictures uh, on social media, you know, uh, just popping out everywhere. What are some of the examples of the types of celebrations or activities that people have planned in our different locations worldwide? Here in Leatherhead, I can give you that example. Um, we're, we've just had our final Zero Harm Day planning meeting and, and we're good to go hopefully for for the day itself which at, uh, at the time that everyone's listening will be in full full flow hopefully but um we we're having um, an acting company come in to run a, a small theatrical performance that that shows a scenario that has the potential to go wrong and then you have audience participation kind of to help um direct the actors to a safe outcome and, and see how that all plays out. We've got escape room competitions. In fact, escape rooms are happening all over the world. I think uh, I think Houston's doing one. There's some escape room competitions happening in the Middle East. We, we're having a session of that in, here in Leatherhead. So seems to be on trend. <laughs> Definitely. Escape rooms. <laughs> um, so that's going on. Um, Houston are having um, a lot of, uh, and, and Leatherhead as well, we're, we're, we're having sessions um, with our ERG, ERG employee resource groups, giving them the opportunity to show what they do with uh, with regards to um, uh, you know supporting our team of teams across uh, across KVR um, and how important you know the important roles that they play. Uh, what else is happening? Lots of competitions, lots of celebrations, um, taking time out to recognise people. So lot, I think more or less every location is going to be doing some sort of awards presentation with senior leadership getting involved. Um, banner signing is is the the traditional way that we kick off the day. So everyone signs up to another year of, of zero harm. Right. Uh, signs the banner and the banner goes up on the wall as a reminder of the day. Uh, lots of freebies and gifts and merchandise to give out as well. So yeah, there's there's loads happening and and uh, and and kudos to the the the, the individuals that, that help pull the pull the day together and and make it such a success. Yeah, and no, uh, we have people on the global marketing team who've been. Fast and furious with designs of different swag and banners and things like that that are that are going to be up uh, in the next few days. So uh, it is a a team of teams effort around the world to get all of these different celebrations up. Um, 
just indicative of KBR culture. Well, Paul, before I let you go, is there anything else you'd like to add? No, it's been a pleasure, John. Thanks for the opportunity and uh, thanks for helping get Zero Harm out there on, on the map. And uh, hopefully everyone's having a great Zero Harm Day as they're listening to this. Absolutely. Happy Zero Harm Day, everyone. And thanks again, Paul. Take care. Thank you. It was so great speaking with Paul Stevenson. We want to thank him again for joining us and talking to us about KBR's Zero Harm culture. We also want to send warm wishes for a happy Zero Harm Day to KBR people near and far and all around the world. Can't wait to see all the pics from the celebrations. And as always, thank you, Emma, for uh, the amazing work you do. Emma's our producer. We couldn't do it without her. If you'd like to learn more about KBR's Zero Harm culture and our safety and sustainability commitments and progress, you can head over to KBR.com and look under the Who We Are tab. Lots of good information there, including recent safety milestones and our annual sustainability and corporate responsibility report. If you have any questions for us, have an idea for an episode, or just want to say hi, let us hear from you by emailing inorbit at kbr.com. And that's it for this episode, friends. We hope you tune in in a couple of weeks when we should have crossed that 10,000 downloads mark. Very exciting, and we could not do it without you. Lots more good stories to come. In the meantime, take care of yourselves out there. And thanks again for being with us. 